0: Special thanks uh, last week for Evan stepping in uh, pretty unexpectedly to uh, to preach, as we uh, took a little break from Jude last week, and uh, as COVID hit our house uh, very, uh, not very significantly. Thanks the Lord. My daughter uh, Maggie uh, tested positive a week and a half or so ago, and so the rest of us were quarantined. And I got good old fashioned sick this week. I don't know if uh, you knew people can still get sick without COVID, but. Um, so this morning, if you hear me cough and stuff, don't leave and panic, just uh, just some stuff that everyone else seems to be struggling with nowadays, but um, it is good to be back uh, with you this morning, good to be back in Jude, and so if you do have your Bibles this morning, and of course I hope you do, I invite you to turn me to the book of Jude as we are getting close uh, to finishing. Um, this morning may be a shorter sermon, maybe in part because of my uh, burning desire to cough, but uh, probably... Uh, more, in fact, this is kind of the second part of a message that we started a couple of weeks ago. And so instead of preaching uh, for 65 minutes or so, we figured maybe a couple of weeks of uh, a couple of 30 minute sermons would would better serve uh, our time. And so this morning uh, we are continuing here towards the end uh, in the book of Jude. And so for the sake of uh, recap a little bit, since we were out last week, we uh, we started in verse 17 just a couple of weeks ago with the first commands that Jude has given the church. Uh, up until this point in these uh, first uh, 16 verses of Jude, he had not really issued a command, issued a word of action to the church. Uh, instead, he had just been painting a very vivid picture of what was happening in the church. The first picture he painted was his desire uh, of what he wanted to write and his, just this beautiful picture of Christ and all that Christ has done for us. And then starting in verse 3 through verse uh, 16, just a very clear picture of what was taking place in the church at this time which that these false teachers and apostates had crept into the church these people um had crept in to do damage to the church you don't creep in somewhere not to do damage right and so they crept into the church Uh, with anything but the true gospel. They crept in with an appearance of godliness. They crept in, many of them, and a leadership capacity to teach and lead, uh, some just there likely. Uh, And So this combination of false teachers and apostates, these people, regardless of what you call them, they were certain people, as we see in Jude, who were designated for condemnation. They were certain people who were not of the Lord, as we'll talk about this morning. And what the key difference is. And so uh, so finally here in verse 17, he begins um, with kind of charging the church, if you will. And so there are three charges that he begins in verse 17 that kind of are found in verse 17, uh, verse 21, and verse 22. And those three charges are this. One was to remember the word. Uh, two was to keep the faith. And three is to show mercy. And so we began... Uh, remembered the word a couple weeks ago. We'll continue in keeping the faith this morning, and we'll finish next week with showing mercy, because there's a lot to unpack in the midst of all of these. And so, as he uh, commanded and commended the church to remember the word there in verse 17, and this was, he was calling them to remember the word of God, to remember the word that was preached to them, the word that was taught to them, the word that uh, that they had read. Uh, specifically, he was talking about the predictions of the apostles, and so, uh, so he is calling them to remember the word. As we said uh, a couple weeks ago, that is essential for believers to know the word, to remember the word, to recall the word, to live according to the word. The word should shape all that we are all, uh, and all that we do. And so this was the first of these three uh, commands, if you will, uh, before he gets to the end in verse 24, this doxology that I'm excited for us to, uh, to arrive at here in a couple weeks. And so not only do you say, remember the word, there in verse 17, which says, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following in their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God and there's the second command Uh, not only to remember the word but to keep the faith keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life let's pray as we uh, as we get as we get started this morning Lord we do thank you for this morning we thank you for this word we thank you for these commands that were. Uh, written uh, by Jude, but were given by your Holy Spirit, uh, not just for the, the church in the first century, but for the church today, for us in this very room and for all those who hear. Thank you for how you have how you used this passage, uh, and I pray that you would continue to use it this morning in our lives as well. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So as we look at this passage, we see that he is calling the church to remember the word and secondly, to keep the faith. And then thirdly, that we'll look at uh, next week is to show mercy. We'll finish our passage there. He says, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. And so remember the word, keep the faith and show mercy. Now, as we in the, kind of in the middle here about keeping the faith, keeping yourselves in the love of God, he gives three other points. And so, as we've said, he's the first Baptist pastor. No, he's not really, but it's just a joke, but he has three points, and his points have three points. And so, uh, and if you really dig down, you can probably find three points on his sub-points. And so, Where there's three main things that are happening in this passage is to remember the word, to keep the faith, and to show mercy. We see that in how we keep ourselves in the love of God, in how we keep our keep the faith, if you will. There are three things that are three hows that he give he gives us, and we said specifically that there's this fancy word for instrumental participles, which is just a fancy way of saying this is how you do something. So when he says there in verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, when you look back in verse 20, there's the first two. By how do you keep yourselves in the love of God? By one, building yourselves up in the most holy faith. Number two, praying in the Holy Spirit. And then number three there in verse 21, by waiting for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the how of keeping the faith Uh, can be summed up by building yourselves up in in God, by praying in the Spirit, and by waiting on Jesus. And so here is another example. There's so many examples in Scripture, even though sometimes when you have discussions about the Trinity, people are quick to say, well, you don't find the Trinity in Scripture. Well, the word Trinity may not be there, but the Trinity is all through Scripture. And not only is the Trinity in Scripture, guess where else the Trinity has been? everywhere since time began for god has always existed in three persons the father the son and the spirit and we see this here even in Jude's writing being built up in god uh, by praying in the spirit and by waiting on jesus and so it's always a good reminder to see the beauty of the Trinity as we understand the revelation of God. And so this is where we're at this morning. And so last week, we or two weeks ago rather, we, we began this keeping yourselves in the love of God. And as we talked about building yourselves up, and we talked about building yourselves up in the faith, uh, and how and it's amazing, as we'll see this morning, even as we talk about waiting and praying, that God does all the heavy lifting. God does all the real work. So even in building ourselves up, even in keeping the faith, it is God who is the primary mover in that. He helps us to do it. He assists us. He aids us. He is, if it were not for God, we could not keep ourselves in the faith. If it were not for God, we would have no faith. For God is the mover, is the first mover in our faith. He gives us faith as we see all through scripture it is the lord who does that but in the spirit of jude we see that tension because we see there in jude 1 uh all of it's jude 1 right but we see that in jude uh one one the how it is jesus who keeps us but now here in verse 21 that we are to keep ourselves and we address that tension and the importance of us actively keeping our faith and us engaging day to day moment by moment uh, in the faith the lord has given us so it is important for us to walk in the newness of christ and so we can't just sit by passively um, but if we have the Spirit of God inside of us, then we will actively uh, be engaged in keeping the faith and walking with the Lord and building ourselves up in the faith. And I, you, know, you can't even talk about this and not again address the fact that it is yourselves. He is calling us to keep ourselves as a congregation. It is, the Christian life is not one to be lived in isolation, but it is one to be lived out with one another, as we often Uh, strive to do here at north hills and so uh, believers cannot and will not stay stagnant in their faith they will continue to grow in their faith by the power of god by the spirit of god and for the glory of god but with all that said let's look now kind of continuing in these um next two things if i could be ever so rude evan would you might get me a cup of water i feel like i'm going to die up here and so to keep that from happening water will save my life maybe not that extreme Excuse me. So here we go. So praying in the Spirit. So as he says, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. And then he says, and praying in the Holy Spirit. So as he is giving this command to, to being built up in the faith, to keeping the faith, to staying in the love of God, uh, the first thing he points to is building yourself up. And the second thing he points to in the how is praying in the Holy Spirit. Thank you very much. And so what does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? Many would like to turn to this passage and say, see, here's another example that we are called to speak in tongues, to pray in the Holy Spirit. The language that people like to use is synonymous with speaking in tongues and praying in the Holy Spirit. But this is not what Jude has in mind here. He is not talking about praying in the Spirit. This is not a reference to that. Jude is more concerned here with how one prays than the, word, the words that someone says. He is more concerned with how they pray. It is the, he is more concerned with the fact that they are walking in step with the Holy Spirit. And there's a clear contrast here between Jude uh, 19 and Jude 20. If you go back to 19, just one verse, it says, It is these people, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the spirit and so he is constantly going back to these people who have crept into the church and so one big difference between those who have crept into the church and those who are truly the church the bride of christ is the spirit of god he says these people they're devoid of the spirit And if you are devoid of the Spirit, you are not a believer. And so you can't go to these folks, you know what, maybe they just had a little bad theology, maybe they just didn't quite understand, maybe they weren't really false teachers. It says they are devoid of the Spirit. And it says you as believers, you as the church, you are to walk in the Spirit, you are to pray in the Spirit because the Spirit of God resides in you. So, spirit filled prayer is a major distinguishing mark between believers and non believers. And we so often forget that. And I so often love to remind not just our, uh, us as a congregation, but to remind myself as I, as I encounter people around me, encountering people uh, in my day to day life, that people aren't just better versions of themselves by going to church. That if you have the Holy Spirit of God inside of you, you are a new creature. The Bible says the old is gone. The new has come. And that newness does not come from us signing a card or us making a commitment or us even saying a prayer for the sake of saying a prayer. It is the spirit of God that takes us from death to life. And he says, these people, they are devoid of that spirit. But you, as you're building yourselves up in this most holy faith, be praying in the Holy Spirit. Spirit-filled prayer is a major distinguishing mark between believers and non-believers. The Spirit of God does not make some difference. The Spirit of God makes all the difference. And so when you look around yourself and you look around maybe family, friends, co-workers, people in the news, anybody that you're, that you're looking at and maybe you're frustrated with, always ask the question, do I have reason to believe they have the Holy Spirit of God inside of them? Because we, as God's people, have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. And this is how we pray. A couple of passages I want us to turn to. One is in Romans chapter 8. We usually go quickly to Romans 8, 28, but a couple of verses before that. Romans eight twenty six. we think about being, praying rather in the spirit and how the spirit helps us to pray. Likewise, Romans 8, 26, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. Do you ever not pray because you don't seem like you have the words to say? Are you ever slow to pray because you just don't think you know what to do and so you just don't pray at all? Well, then you're relying on yourself. It says here, it is the Spirit who helps us in our time of weakness. You don't have to know the words to pray. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to to know all these things and have this deep theology in order to come to the Lord. This is the beauty of being a child of God. That not only has He called us to pray, He has equipped us to pray. He has put the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. So even whenever we don't know what to say, it is the Spirit of God that intercedes for us. And so only by the Spirit are we able to rightly pray. Only by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit that resides in us, are we able to rightly pray. So when it talks about how do we build ourselves up in the faith, how do we walk with the Lord? How do we become more like Christ? How do we keep ourselves in the love of God? We do so By praying in the Holy Spirit. We do so by trusting in the Spirit as we pray. But also let's go to another uh, passage that is probably most synonymous with this passage. Yes, it is found in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. We don't often make it as far as 6. We often go to 1 and 2. But Ephesians chapter 6. And I would like to read a good little chunk here because of the the place and the role that prayer has for the believer. But Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, the whole armor of God, Now he is talking here about uh, defending yourself, if you will, uh, against the schemes uh, or the wiles of the devil, as he'll say in some translations. Um, but we'll see how. How important prayer is in the whole armor of God. It's Ephesians 6:10 says, "Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil." fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and so he lists all of this armor that we are to put on as the bride of Christ as the children of God, in order to protect ourselves against the attacks of Satan and his forces. But he continues in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. And also for me, the words may be given to me, and open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains and, uh, and may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And so not only, do we, uh, and not only is Spirit-filled prayer a major distinction marked between believers and non-believers, uh, <clears throat> and not only is the Spirit of God is the one who makes us able to pray, but we see that prayer is how we rely on the Spirit's power in our life. We rely on the power of the Spirit through prayer in our life. As we put on the whole armor of God, we see that prayer is essential to the believer. He lists all of this armor and how do we put it on? Not with our efforts, not with our, uh, not with our best deeds, and not with our will, but we do so by the, by the power of prayer. We do so by the Spirit of God. It is how we put on the armor of God. It is how we walk in the fullness of God. It is how we trust the Lord. It is how we live as unto the Lord. By praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. My perseverance. And this is what we see in Jude, especially as, he, as we've talked often about the placement of Jude in the canon right next to the book of Revelation, as he is getting ready to prepare the church to persevere. Again, not by their own might, not by their own effort, but by the Spirit of God. So how do you build yourself up? How do you keep yourself in the love of God? You do so by praying in the Holy Spirit. You do so by walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Prayer is essential to the believer it is not simply a religious act it is not something we do just to feel good about ourselves. it is not something we do to check a box in our in our spiritual disciplines it should be something that paul says that we do without ceasing it should be a part of our life regular part of our life for it is essential to the believer prayer is how we rely on the spirit's power in our life And then finally, relying on the Spirit of God through prayer leads us to communion with God. It leads us to communion with God. And again, this is a vast difference in these people of Jude versus those who are truly His. Those who are truly His, they have communion with God. They have a walk with the Lord. And that walk is made possible by the the Spirit-filled power of prayer. God invites us into His relationship as He invites us and gives us this gift of prayer, this blessing of prayer, if you will. Prayer is not a spiritual gift. It is a spiritual blessing that the Lord gives us through the power of the Holy Spirit as we pray in the Spirit question i hear often as a pastor and talking to people is i want to be closer to the lord i feel disconnected to the lord but do you want to be closer to god seek him through genuine spirit filled prayer that relies on the spirit and not your ability So seek the lord in prayer and you will draw closer to the lord rely on god rely on the holy spirit you will draw closer to the lord so we see this call to pray in the holy spirit and in praying in the holy spirit we further keep ourselves in the love of god we build up that faith and then thirdly not only do we build ourselves up um, in the lord not only do we pray in the holy spirit but thirdly he says we do so by waiting on jesus It says, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. We're going to get kind of halfway through this one because we're going to save mercy for next week. But we build ourselves up. We keep ourselves in the love of God by waiting on Jesus. Waiting is not necessarily a passive act as we often think of waiting. Waiting. Waiting does not mean to do nothing, but it means to be focused on something. Just to give you a kind of a a silly, simple illustration, don't flesh this out too much, but as I think about waiting in in my life, and maybe waiting in your life, we all spend our days waiting, do we not? And waiting brings great frustration, does it not? And uh, great anger sometimes, right? Even the most patient, uh, as we wait, I think of a few different ways that we wait. In life, one is uh, waiting on the phone. Part of my, my day-to-day job as a contractor, I'm on the phone all the time, and I'm waiting on people. And sometimes, I love it when a company, whenever you're waiting, and they say, hey, if you don't want to wait, what can you do? You can leave your phone number, and they'll call you back. Because then what can you do? You can enter your phone number and you can go do something else. You don't have to wait. You don't have to think about the thing that you're waiting on anymore. And that is not a good way to wait. That is not the waiting that Jude is talking about. He's not saying, okay, go live your life and don't worry about Jesus anymore. He is talking about waiting for the mercy of the Lord to think about it. So that's not the way that we can just put our phone number in there and move on. Or we think about doctor's office. A lot of people are in doctor's offices. And we, we, we go to a doctor's office and put our name in there. And then what do you do? You go sit and wait. And what else can you do in your life? Maybe you have a phone. You can, uh, maybe you can entertain yourself. But basically you can't do anything. You're stuck in that little waiting room right until the doctor calls you. So you're, you become basically useless to every other part of your life. You're waiting on a doctor. But I would say, just for the sake of illustration, a better example of the waiting that Jude has in mind here, uh, because North Hills knows something about pregnancy, don't we? We have babies everywhere, and that's a great thing. And we love to see, they love to see new life. But think about an expected mother. She's waiting for this baby to be born. But she doesn't stop her life. She continues, but every aspect of her life is changed by the baby that she's waiting on. And so similar here, not in a perfect illustration, but similar is his waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. As Jude is reminding <clears throat> his people to, to live a life that is transformed by waiting on the Lord. Because Christ is returning. Christ is returning for his people. And he says, let us be a people who wait on the Lord. And so to wait on the Lord is to be focused on the kingdom of God in this life. Go with me to Luke, the uh, first, uh, uh, the second chapter of Luke. A few examples here, and I just want to turn to, to Luke 2 because there's two great examples in the same chapter. If you've been with us long... Um, we often talk about the remnant of God. Those The remnant of God are those in Israel who did not give up waiting on the Lord, but continued to wait on the Lord. They knew that the Messiah would come. And so there, there's two of these that we see in Luke 2. Simeon and Anna. We'll start there in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 25 there. Now there was a man in Jerusalem... Whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So we see that he is waiting for God to redeem Israel. He was waiting for God to do a work in Israel through the Messiah. You come down to verse 36, and you see another person, Anna, in verse 36. Few verses here. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she, when she, from when she was a virgin, and then as a, a widow until she was eighty-four. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day, and coming up at the very hour she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all of Israel to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. So again, you see these two people who are characterized as devout followers of the Lord. Their trust is in God. They're looking to Him. They're looking to the Messiah. They don't know the name Jesus yet. They don't know the story of Christ that we have in the Gospels. But they just they trust God. And they're waiting on him patiently and faithfully, not because they're just better people, because they have the gift of faith that God has put inside of them. And they are gods. And those who are gods wait on the Lord. A few of the examples of waiting we see in Mark chapter 15, verse 43, Joseph of Arimathea. He says he was a respected member of the council who who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God. Joseph was waiting for the kingdom of God. And he took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And so because he was waiting for the kingdom of God, it transformed how he lived his life. It transformed how Anna lived her life. It transformed how Simeon lived his life because they were waiting for the Lord. They didn't sit back and do nothing. They anticipated the kingdom of God. see in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. And yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to you to show you compassion, for the Lord is a God of just justice. Blessed are all of those who wait for him, who wait for the Lord. Psalm twenty seven fourteen. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. And so there is a clear calling for believers to wait on God. One more passage to turn to. Go with me to the book of Titus. Right after 2 Timothy, Titus chapter 2. Handful of verses here. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self controlled upright and godly lives in the present age waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great god and savior jesus christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who were zealous For good works. So you see so much in there that lines up with what Jude is talking about to his people. That we are the people of God. And I love whenever we see in scripture that we are called the possession, that we belong to the Lord. We see that even in the Old Testament that He desires us. And this is the why of all of this is because God loves his people. He desires his people. So why do we wait on Jesus? Because he loves us and he cares for us and he desires to make us whole. Because we are not whole in this life. In this life, we still struggle with sin. But we see, since says we are waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus. Mercy. As we'll look at next, as we'll look at next week which is God withholding what we deserve, that leads to eternal life, that leads to eternal life, that is God's possession because He loves us, because He cares for us, because we are His and He is ours, that there is this eternal life that waits for God's people, that is absent of sin and is fully present with the Lord. A day that we long for. So we wait for the Lord. And this is part of us being built up. This is part of us keeping ourselves in the love of God. Not just building ourselves up. Not just remembering the Word. Not just growing in spiritual discipline. Not just following after the Lord in obedience. And not just praying in the Holy Spirit. But part of keeping ourselves in the love of God is to wait for the mercy of Jesus Christ. Is To wait for Jesus I love how one author puts it, Waiting and hope infuses all of life with expectancy and the desire to do all that Jesus expects of us so that we will have no shame when he returns. So waiting on Jesus is not a passive activity. It is an active activity. We are waiting for the kingdom of God. We are looking for the kingdom of God. And we realize we are living in the kingdom of God. And we desire, as we wait for the Lord, to live for the Lord. And honor the Lord. And share the Lord. As we'll look at next week. There are so many who do not know the Lord. And we have mercy on others because he has had mercy on us. And the gospel comes to the grace of God and the mercy of God. So what are we waiting on? We are waiting on the mercy of King Jesus. When Christ returns, he will do so and bring mercy to his people. One pastor sums up this passage well. These three how-tos of keeping ourselves in the love of God, the the building ourselves up, the um, praying in the Holy Spirit and waiting for the mercy of Jesus. He says, Building up is our edification. Praying in the Spirit is our communion. And looking for the Savior is our anticipation. Is our anticipation. Anticipation. And isn't life so much better when you have something to look forward to? Isn't life so much better uh, whenever you're anticipating something? They say that's why the the years of our youth go by so fast, because we're always looking for something. We're always anticipating something. And when you get old, all those firsts are gone, right? But may we be a people who anticipate, who look forward to the coming of Jesus. And we don't have to understand all that means. And there are a lot that we can understand. And one of these days, we'll uh, work, through, work our way through the book of Revelation. And we'll look at other aspects of <clears throat> the eschaton, the end times. But for now, may we be a people as we build ourselves up, as we pray in the Holy Spirit, may we be a people who are waiting on the mercy of God. Are you being built up? Are you regularly communing with God through the power of spirit-filled prayer? Are you living a life of anticipation? These three things will shape how you live. These things, building and praying and waiting, they will shape every aspect of your Christian life. And they will also reveal if you belong to Jesus. So as you look at these things and you say, I have no desire to build myself up. I have no desire to pray in the Holy Spirit. I have no desire to wait on the Lord. And these are things that reveal to us a heart that has not been redeemed. And the beauty of the gospel is God calls you to repent. God calls all of those who are not his to repent, to turn from their sin, and to look to him. And that invitation is for you today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank You for today. We thank You for this chance to open Your Word. We thank You for the invitation You give to come. And Lord, there's one here this morning, a one who's listening, who's never come to You and trusted You in faith. May by Your Holy Spirit, You move in their mind and heart even now. But Lord, for the many that are here, Lord, that are listening, who do know You, Father, and they are... Called by your name. Lord you stir in us this desire to be built up in our faith. This desire to, to pray in the spirit. and To give us this anticipation. In waiting on Christ. Thank you Lord that as we wait we have the full confidence of his return. And the full confidence of eternal life in your presence. Or as we continue this morning with communion, with, with song, with giving, Lord, may everything we do be for your glory. We pray these things in the sweet name of Christ. Amen.